Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Big thanks to eBay for sponsoring this episode of Pass Gas. Passion, drive, patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride alive eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. We're talking superchargers, turbos, exhaust kits, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need for the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. The year is 1992. A young Lewis Hamilton, best known as seven-time Formula One champion, is being interviewed for the BBC about his blossoming career as a remote-control car racer. So how long have you been racing cars for already, Lewis? About a year. Unsurprisingly, to those of us who know what's in store for Hamilton, the precocious and focused seven-year-old clinches the win in his purple and yellow Kyosho Turbo Burns radio-controlled car. And we have a winner! Decades later, in August of 2021, Hamilton shared a photo on Instagram of the very same car lovingly rebuilt and restored by his brother. Remote control or radio control racing, RC as it's known to fans, isn't a new phenomenon. Since its invention in 1966, there's arguably no greater thrill for a young car nut than receiving a kick-ass remote control car as a gift. You may have loved crashing them together as a kid, but how much do you know about radio-controlled cars? Where'd they come from? Why is their fan base so into them? All that and more on today's Past Gas. Past Gas Podcast. It's about cars, it's not about sports. Is that what an RC car sounds like? It's more like a... Or a... Yeah, yeah, it's that's like a, a good one. Like now, all the fast ones are all—all all of them are super fast and electric now. So all you hear is like their their straight cut gears and their gearboxes. They're interesting. The fast ones used to be nitro, but that's not really the case anymore. They're electric now, yeah. Yeah, it's all electric. I mean, you can still buy nitro stuff and gas powered stuff, but the fast stuff and the affordable stuff is electric. Yeah, I remember the first one I had was the the car that flips over and still goes we have one of those at the office yeah we bought it for that episode of d-list is that I was a taiko like, have one a taiko rc taiko yeah, rc taiko rc ruled the airwaves when i was a kid they had the best the best commercials they had incredible commercials i remember when i was about 10 years old there's one called the dragonfly that yeah looked like an x-wing with wheels basically um oh that's cool yeah it's pretty neat did you guys ever have taiko yeah, I had one called, uh, I think it was called the Python, which is weird because it like spit water. So it should, <laughs> it should have been called the Cobra, but yeah. it was like this little SUV looking guy. And uh, 
you could like hit a button and like a snake would pop up on the top. What? Oh, that's cool. And shoot water out of it. <laughs> the yeah, and I feel so, like, like the you 90s... could make your dad look like he pissed his pants. <laughs> <laughs> the nineties, the RC cars will all had like they all had gimmicks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like there's like a you know like a lever that could flip it or four wheel steering or something weird. Or a you snake know. that pops up to make it look like your dad pissed his yeah. pants I can't believe at we, the crawfish boil. I can't believe we didn't mention that already. That was actually in the ad. <laughs> it has to be at a crawfish boil. <laughs> yeah, all the ki- like a kid's at a family reunion crawfish boil, and yeah, the car is like speaking to him telepathically and saying like, "How many people can you make it look like they pissed their pants?" <laughs> hey, your dad's in town. <laughs> Time to embarrass him at his big party. Make it look like he pissed his pants in front of your mom's sister. If there's any party to look like you pissed your pants, it's at a very wet crawfish boil where there's water everywhere. I feel like it would be normal. Hey, your dad's home and pretending like you guys are a normal family. (laughs) All of your church acquaintances are around. Make him look like he pissed his pants. <laughs> he won't retaliate later. Did you guys ever have an RC helicopter? Yeah. No. What? Yeah. Man, Nolan, I think you lived like a way more privileged life than you acknowledge. I think so. I've been thinking about that. But we got the one I got. I think it was like Eagle American was the brand or something like that. Uh, my dad brought American it home. American Eagle. They make jeans. Well, I remember my dad brought it home from work one day because one of his customers like gave it to him and uh, I broke it in like two seconds. The tail like snapped off. It wasn't like a high quality. It wasn't a hobby grade. It didn't even need the tail really because the, the tail rotor wasn't powered. Um, mm. Wait, how did it stay stable then? It had counter rotating rotors that two rotors on the top. spun in opposite directions so that's how yeah so on the cheaper ones that's how they managed flight uh instead of needing a powered tail rotor like the hobby grade ones need this is more of like one this like came from china and broke in two seconds i like how hobby grade is oh i'm gonna be very pedantic in this episode (laughs) because we started the we were just talking about taiko rc and those kind of things the 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 rc cars you see advertised on like nickelodeon those are like toy grade rc cars like they're fun they're cool. They're a good stepping stone into the world of radio control, but they're not hobby grade. You're not going to see people <laughs> racing I, those. I love that yeah. it's like it's not professional grade or like no. <laughs> industrial grade. It's like hobby grade. It's like, oh yeah, you got a Tyco. That's not, not your hobby. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. not, You don't have a hobby. Oh, is that a slight interest car you have yeah. there? Well, no. I mean, these, it, it, there's nothing wrong. Everyone starts out on those. Like I had one, uh, New Bright. The new bright car uh, from Radio Shack, you know, your standard like RC car that you'd see in like Home Alone, right? Uh, those, there was you know, no that's RC what gets- car in Home Alone. <laughs> Home Alone yeah, 3, I sorry. I you just made that up. Home Alone 3, that's not even part of canon. Dude, you're just being so pedantic right now. I'm very excited for this episode, dear listener, because I love RC cars. I would argue that besides like Hot Wheels and Legos, RC cars are like the best way to get into into the automotive uh, scene as a kid, even if you start out with a humble toy grade RC car like my new bright when I was like five years old. We're sponsored by an RC. That's right. We did do it. We had we had a sponsorship. We had a Arma. Arma RC sponsored this week's bumper to bumper. Um, that thing's sick. Yeah, it's broken right now. <laughs> oh, no. Someone someone smashed into a oh, wall and no. broke uh, the hub. I've got to replace that. That thing freaking rips, though. It's so fast. Yeah. Anyway, welcome to Past Gas, everybody. Welcome to the RC Car episode. I'm so excited. I'm Nolan Sykes, joined as always by my best buds. We got Joe Weber. Hey there, guys. Uh, well, I'm fine. I'm over this. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> With an enormous couch behind him. What a what a beast. And James Pumphrey. Joe, I feel like I'm watching... Uh, toot toot, baby. Uh, Joe, I feel like I'm, I'm like watching like... Uh, Call her daddy podcast or something. Like you look like. What a, does that mean? <laughs> you just look like a girl, <laughs> like a sex positive 
woman podcast. <laughs> like you're in like pajamas, sitting on the floor, holding his mic. In front of the couch, holding the mic. Yeah, very like 2009 YouTube days where you'd be talking about like how Halo 3 matchmaking <laughs> isn't fair at the moment and Bungie needs to do something. That's very much the vibe right here. Guys, I'm slowly crawling out of uh, a personal hell right now, so... Let me just sit on the ground, okay? Yeah, I, <laughs> I feel you. I feel you guys. You mentioned video games, and if anybody who listens to us works at Riot Games, my nephew was hardware banned from Valorant. Uh-oh. And uh, it's like a huge social outlet for him during these really tough times. He's a 13-year-old kid. So if anyone can help me unban my nephew, hashtag unban James's nephew, uh, please reach out to Pascas Hardware ban. at donutmedia.com. Yeah, what does that mean? He's permanently banned from the only way he can play with his friends. So the only way to do it is like get another I've never played PC. a video game. <laughs> I don't know. I mean... Getting a hardware ban, from what I'm reading here on PC Gamer, a hardware ban means that he might have been cheating. I, I will not say, I don't want to say that he did. <laughs> <laughs> might be a long year. All My family stands by my nephew <laughs> and his innocence. So if anyone can unban... James's nephew, hashtag unban James's nephew. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, before we launch into the meat of this episode, let's address the RC fanatics in the room. There's just a lot of biases and hard to confirm and niche history and most of all opinions in this space. So bear with us. In honor of those opinions, though, we're going to start with a pretty basic one. Toy-grade RC cars are not the same as hobby-grade RC cars. Are we cars. all going to get doxxed because we don't know enough about RC cars? No, I don't think so. You're going to uh, gonna hear the doorbell at your house, uh -huh. and then you're going to open it, and there's going to be a little RC car that just sprays water on your crotch. I feed my pants. But I got a crawfish boil this afternoon. <laughs> oh, guys. And then you're that guy at the party that's like, I spilled so much crawfish juice on my crotch. Oh, I got to suck them heads or else you spill them on your crotch. The mustard's the best part. The distinction between toy grade and hobby grade may not seem too controversial, but... For the average RC car hobbyist, this is a common, annoying assumption that someone outside the very real sport of RC racing could make. Like when a comedian tells their family they're a comedian and their first thing their aunt suggests is to walk into SNL and ask for a job. James, did that happen to you? That sounds like something that would. Uh, yeah. And oh, no, no, everyone would pitch me bits. Yeah. Oh, I got a skit for you. Oh, I got you should such do this a good skit. idea for a skit. The funniest thing happened the other day at the grocery store. It's not a skit. It's a sketch. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to sketch. <laughs> McGruber, your toilet is disgusting. So let's break it down. For those not in the know, what is the difference between toy grade and hobby grade? Well, a toy grade RC car is focused on keeping production costs as low as possible by using cheaper components with harder to find spare parts with a single electric circuit board integrated into the design. So it's part of the chassis, usually. The plus side of a toy-grade RC car, the kind typically given as a gift to a kid, I mean, the advantage here is cost. If something breaks, you can throw it away or scavenge parts from, like, a similar RC car. A lot of them, a lot of these toy grades use, like, similar architecture. A hobby-grade RC car, on the other hand, is an entirely different beast with separate electronic components that are individually replaceable and thus customizable. Like, you know, you got your uh, your radios on board, you got your speed controllers, you got your motors. These are all swappable uh, depending on the driver's preferences. Modular. They're modular. Thank you, Joe. These cars have much stronger motors and can reach speeds up to 170 no. miles no. per hour. Shut up. Yeah, James. Dude, what? No, shut up. No way, really? My yeah. Forerunner barely goes that fast. <laughs> I think our that sponsor I mentioned, Arma RC, they make a car that I think, they definitely have one that goes over 100. 170 miles an hour. 
Yeah. What, imagine that just hitting your foot. Hitting your ankle. <laughs> <laughs> like your leg flies off. <laughs> How do you even see it? <laughs> they just go. <laughs> no, but I mean, you're standing there. It's going 150 miles an hour. And it's like 13 inches long. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. It's like driving a bee. It is. It's, <laughs> it is like driving a bee. <laughs> Uh, the steering on these cars is more precise with proportional throttle and well, full suspension. Yeah, <laughs> proportional throttle and full suspension, often oil filled and adjustable. Customization can cost drivers hundreds, if not thousands, of dollars. I know this all too well. I've been. Dude, I want to drive one of these 170 miles an hour. <laughs> Max, that's not a car like- you start out with. You'd die. I would die, Nolan. I would die. Yeah, it would. I would die. <laughs> I'm telling you, that car would hit your ankle and your leg would fly off. Well, and I then you started behind me, Nolan. It started in front of me and it'd go far away from me. Yeah, but it goes so fast you don't even know it's coming back at you. And then your leg breaks and hits your head, and then you're dead. Nolan, dude. you're an elitist. I'm a hobby grade. I'm a hobby grade RC driver. Is what I'm. What I am. You're an RC gatekeeper. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna get one. I'm gonna buy the nicest one. Okay. I'm gonna spend right. way more money than I should. <laughs> okay. And then when you go to the salt flats with your dad uh-huh. to do a real 200 mile per hour run in a real big boy car, I'm gonna pass you (laughs) in my rc car and when you get out at the finish line i'm gonna hit your ankle ow my leg's gonna fly off james and your dad will be so scott will be scott will laugh uh in short james hobby grade rc cars are not a toy as i wag my finger in the air that is the (laughs) lamest sentence ever said by a person And to some hobby-grade enthusiasts, the toy-grade cars are good for two things. One, introducing people to the sport. And they're highly detailed body shells, which can be adapted for use on hobby-grade vehicles to give them a more realistic appearance. So now that you know the very, very basics, let's get into it. The first remote control car was officially crafted in 1966, but the work to develop them started much, much earlier. As early as the 1920s, organizations were already running events and races for so-called clockwork cars. Clockwork cars were wind-up cars propelled by pulling the car back slightly to wind up an internal coil spring that kicks the bad boy forward. If you've ever been a car-obsessed toddler, chances are a clockwork car was in your toy box. But in the 20s, clockwork cars weren't just for kids. Oh, no. Okay. They were oh, also Hold on. for grown, grown humans. <laughs> I can't wait to hear where this goes. I'm so I can't wait to hear about hobby grade clockwork, clockwork cars. cars. Hell yeah! Imagine me in 1926, where it's like, yeah. oh, I do all the time. Yeah, <laughs> you'd be a bruiser. Yeah, <laughs> okay, a bruiser that dates a flapper. Yeah, I'd be a criminal. Well, Jesse would be so like me and Jesse would be like Peaky Blinders. And oh, you'd you would, be the coolest guys. Uh-huh. Is what you're saying? Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. And, uh, just and want to make you, sure. And you would like crush people's skulls for us, but you're also like a poet. Okay. <laughs> like you're smart and you're like always reading, but like you have no problem like ripping a man's nose off. And, and your nickname would be Clockwork. Yeah, you're <laughs> so reliable. <laughs> and you're really into Clockwork cars. You're like the Tom. You're like a Tom Hardy type. Yeah, I'll take it. We you say you always have like a a poem to like say after you crush someone's skull. Uh huh. Yeah, you're like a, a bullet tooth type. Yeah. What am I then? If I lived in the 20s, would I be, just be like an architect? You or? have like really like you have like goggles. Like you make like, <laughs> <laughs> you're like always covered in soot, and you have a big apron, and you're making like. <laughs> You make like booze. <laughs> Wait, why am I so sooty then? Am I making like peat, you know, like peat smoked whiskey or what? I don't know. It's just, it's just hooch. Um, and then, but you just pull so much booty. Oh, okay. I'll take that. Let's see. Okay. And, hey, you want to test my moonshine? And you're like a poet? <laughs> Wait. 
and you're me always and Nolan reading. are poets. Yeah, <laughs> we're all poets. The whole gang is poets. Dude. Not me. Not me. <laughs> I don't know how to read, and it's my darkest secret. <laughs> how about you go ahead and tell me what that sign says? <laughs> oh. <laughs> Last time I checked, you work for me. Now let's go get these covers. <laughs> We'll be right back with more of this story. But first, a word from our sponsors. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now, all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie. And we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews. But now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie. And we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. From clockwork cars, the interest in miniature automobiles grew, and by 1936, a model car racing association was formed in England. The birthplace. It makes so much sense. Mecca. This organization catered to both clockwork cars and rubber drive cars. Rubber drive. Which, as the name suggests, is a car powered by a rubber band. Okay, cool. According to some online... Are you disappointed by that? Well, do you think those two <laughs> factions like hated each other? Where it's like you think a you think a car can be powered by a rubber band? You're a damn fool. Well, it seems then, like they're in the same club. <laughs> yeah, it was probably like the same distinction between like nitro powered and electric car today. You, you probably have both if you're a true hobby. If you're a true hobby clockwork car uh, driver, you got both. Yeah, you understand. According to some online records, a three-pound rubber band car could reach 40 miles per hour in three seconds when driving straight. To put this in perspective, the top speed of the average automobile in the 1930s was only 50 miles per hour. That's so sick, dude. You're like driving your Dusseldorf and you just see a rabbit pass you (laughs) on your right. (laughs) A rubber band car. It's Peter Rabbit. That's dope. Yeah. I bet there's guys in England that still do this thing. You know, they dress up in period correct clothing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Go out to some grassy field somewhere because all English sports take place. <laughs> they they got, got a lot of grass, them. dude. Why are you yeah. being so pedantic? Eventually, rubber bands and clockwork simply weren't enough of a thrill for the American hobbyists. And it didn't take <laughs> long for innovators to start installing miniature gas-powered engines <laughs> into their model cars. That's sick. Yeah. These early American cars were manufactured by companies like Dueling Bros and Olsen and Rice as kits, meaning they were sold as a box of individual parts must be assembled before driving. That's the best. I want want to find one of these. That's sick. The fact that these bad boys ran on gas increased the need for greater control over the car's steering because no one wants to break their ankle after getting hit by a tiny car filled with gas. (laughs) That's what we're talking about. It's this has been the constant throughout history. It's going to hit the ankle by these damn things. <laughs> do you think like there's? Do you think any of these dudes like wear shin guards? Oh, uh, I w- yeah. Now I'm an, a, I'm imagining a guy with a vest and like yeah, you know, a bowler cap, but like leather shin guards on while he's driving one of these things, or like those metal knight shins. 
that yes. cover your feet too. Yeah, because they got just you can buy armor in the pawn shop over in England. In England, it's they they can't even get rid of it fast enough. <laughs> they got they used to have so many knights. <laughs> Circular cable tracks called tethers were built to keep the cars contained. A design that allowed these cars to get up to sixty miles per hour and finally go head to head in a race after years of time. <laughs> Wait, but how do they steer them though? If they're, they're run the t- there's a string connecting it to the center of the track. Oh. And it goes around in a circle. It's tethered on the track. Got it. Got yeah. it. In 1966, everything changed when an electronics company, Electronica Giacattoli, <laughs> or LG, <laughs> produced the first remote-controlled car. You may have already guessed, but Electronica Giacattoli was an Italian company. True to their roots, LG, as we'll call them, decided that their first, it's not the same LG, I'm pretty sure, uh, decided that their first remote control car and the first RC car ever would be a model of a Ferrari 250LM powered by a nitro engine. Whoa. Within a year, a British company named Mardav helped to mass produce the cars, and then it was off to the miniature races. <laughs> the little mice driving them. <laughs> <laughs> Once the models made it to Britain, other companies like WEN, Model Car Enterprises, and Dynamic Models started to produce their own nitro or gas-powered RC cars and sell car kits. Each of these companies made cars that were eighth scale and powered by two-stroke model airplane engines. RC car races started popping up in the U.S. by the late 60s after many of the companies that started out slinging slot cars shifted due to remote control cars popularity. By 1967, a group of people dedicated to racing RC cars founded the Remotely Operated Auto Racers, or ROAR, to serve as an authorizing nonprofit for competitive radio-controlled car races in the U.S. and Canada, the first RC organization. So that Katy Perry song's about... Remote control cars. A lot of people don't know that. I'm glad we made the connection. In 1969, Roar's first national championship was held at the Sunset Ford dealership in Garden Grove, California. The models raced were eighth scale pan cars. I love the uh, like to imagine that first, like when they're establishing Roar, and it's just like a bunch of dudes in like short sleeve shirts and ties with like flat tops and thick (laughs) and it's just like the room is just full of smoke yeah and there's like so are we gonna do it (laughs) are we actually gonna start a remotely operated auto (laughs) research club this is crazy what are we doing (laughs) what is it nobody's ever applied rules to remote controlled auto racing before it sounds so wrong but it feels so right (laughs) ken miles was there (laughs) Carol Shelby. If we don't do it, the Russians are going to do it first. (laughs) Eighth scale is still pretty big. That's big as Yeah, You could put a little uh, rat in there. and A couple rats. You could fit a rabbit. You could. You fit a big fat rabbit in there. A rabbit and two rats. (laughs) (laughs) A small monkey. (laughs) That sounds so cute. I know. This is like picking up a cabbage. To take to a party, <laughs> going 170 miles. Per <laughs> yeah. hour. They go. They stop by a garden and they pick up a cabbage because they're going to a party yeah. at a badger's house. Oh my god! Badger never wants to leave his house. He's like, you guys come but over he here. He loves hosting. Yeah, pick up a cabbage on your way over. <laughs> <laughs> After Roar's first event, RC cars zipped into the 1970s, pun absolutely intended. The 70s were an iconic era made so by boomers who opened the door for great socio-political causes like civil rights and gender equality before they slammed that door real hard behind them. And the decade was no different when it came to remote-controlled cars. <laughs> Look forward to this. Wow, that's heavy. Yeah. It's like civil rights, <laughs> RC cars. 
The 70s saw the emergence of the eight-scale nitro-powered RC cars that ran on a special concoction of nitrogen, methanol, and everyone's favorite, lubricant. That's just like an oil. It's like two-stroke oil, but with some nitro in there. Some, I don't think it's nitrogen. I think it's nitromethane. Nitrogen, methanol. Oh, there you go. Nitromethane and two-stroke oil. The engines were bigger, too, thanks to quickly improving technology, and most manufacturers were moving forward from a single piston to a double. Ooh, must have sounded really cool. Like a tiny Harley. At the beginning of the decade, the design of the cars varied considerably. Some were intricately crafted with line engines connected to operational gearboxes and had basic suspension. Others were simple flatbed or pan cars with a sidewinder engine configuration. Over time, the chassis designs started to lean towards the flatbed type, but most likely due to the cost of manufacturing. As with most forms of motor racing, once a certain design starts cleaning up in the racing world, its rivals follow suit. So by the mid-70s, the fiberglass pan car reigned supreme. And I would say... I would. That kind of pan style chassis is still very ubiquitous today. Most cars you'll see in your hobby shop have that sort of design where it's just like a flat bottom, but with a bit of a tub to hold all the electronics inside. But yeah, almost 50 years now of that. Crazy. In 1971, Team Associated, known then as just plain Associated, debuted its first vehicle, the RC1, an eight scale nitro powered on-road pan car. Their build was light and efficient enough to go super fast. At the 1971 <laughs> Roar Nationals, Associated's RC1 proved its superiority by winning both main events and setting the overall fastest time in competitions against every other brand and car. It also broke a record 25 ankles. <laughs> uh, in one shot we have a little image linked in the script here and there's three different cars pictured in the middle is just the chassis that flat plant flat pan chassis design as we just dis- discussed and then yeah. it looks like it's got two different body styles that you could choose from this might have been available from team associated or uh even custom built wouldn't surprise me at all but first up top is like a can-am style car like we talked about yeah. in our bruce mclaren episode looks like a, that mclaren yeah mm-hmm. yeah and then we got a, a 70s style F1 car at the bottom. Probably pick and choose based on personal preference as to like what, what you like better. Dude, tough choice. They're both really cool. They're both really sick, yeah. Yeah. Like every time I'm like, I definitely go with K&M. Then I see the F1, and I'm like, I would definitely do F1. And I look back up at the K&M, <laughs> and I'm like, man, I didn't need this one. <laughs> <laughs> with this new technology and interest in the sport, the production of remote-controlled cars exploded. Kits came from outfits like MCE, Dynamic, Delta, Citizenship, Heath Kit, Raw Car, Kyosho, Mar Dave, PB, oh. Thorpe, and the Reynolds <laughs> Aluminum Special. The cars were built to look like the big boys, you know, grown-up people's cars, and often ran on KMB, Veco, and McCoy engines. In 1976, the first purely electric remote-controlled cars hit the market. The most famous one of all was the Porsche 934 Turbo RSR, crafted by the Japanese company Tamiya. Tamiya. That is sick. Legendary oh, that looks company. so cool. Legendary. Dude, that thing is hard. They're still like the big boys now, They're right? Yeah. Yeah, they're still up there. They're they're uh, scale kings. Yeah, they today they really focus on like scale and uh, just make looking real. Mm-hmm. Like I've looked into getting like an RC car. You know, because it's always fun to spend money on things to do with your friends. <laughs> um, and like to me, it still makes like a lot of the bodies. At one tenth scale, this model typically featured a tub chassis with four wheel, fully independent suspension, coupled with rear ball differential and a front gear type differential. To me, I returned to crush the competition in 1979 when they released the Sand Scorcher and Rough Rider. Two dune buggy models that could go off-road. These models used real suspension systems, powerful motors, textured rubber tires of various sizes, and a smooth dune buggy body, which is often how I've been described. 
<laughs> the Rough Rider was the first remote-controlled car to feature a three-gear transmission. What? Wow. That's cool. That's yeah, crazy. You shifted the little thing. Drive it off a dune? Hell yeah, dude. That's fun. The Rough Rider was the first remote-controlled car to be named after a DMX song and the first to feature <laughs> a three-gear transmission. Today, the Sand Scorcher is one of the most sought-after collectibles. And if it's in its box, it can cost up to $5,000. I have a bunch of these Sand Scorchers that I'm saving for <laughs> retirement. Yeah, I didn't even know they were worth anything. I just got like four in a box. <laughs> I've just been throwing them out of my car. <laughs> I've been using them for like firewood. <laughs> and like, if I can sell them, I will. Cause like, honestly, when I burn them, I get a headache. <laughs> we'll get back to more past guests, but right now, a word from our sponsors. Big thanks to eBay for sponsoring this episode of past gas, passion, drive, patience, the formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. We're talking superchargers, turbos, exhaust kits, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need for the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. The success of off-road buggies stretched the average enthusiast's interest. No longer limited to paved roads like a communist, remote-controlled cars were ready to take on the 80s. Like Ronald Reagan! <laughs> <laughs> Dude, the Sand Scorcher is sick. It's a little beetle. Yeah. yeah. I want to get to Mia now. These are cool. Dude, this one's got a little guy in it. This one's got a little guy that comes out and pisses on you and makes you look like you pissed your pants. <laughs> and his piss is like hot. <laughs> that was like the main innovation was like he <laughs> would piss on you, but like the piss was actually hot and it like actually stunk <laughs> like asparagus. <laughs> anyway, if it's in its box, it can be like $4,000. <laughs> As long as it still smells like piss. Though. As long, if yeah. it smells like piss, it can be worth like up to eight. And if it's still hot piss, like you're looking <laughs> yeah. at like $12,000. It's impossible to the, replace those heaters. Like they don't yeah, make them like, anymore. Yeah. The element that made the piss hot is like it would burn out. Yeah. Like after like. It yeah, also yeah. causes cancer. So it's illegal. <laughs> if now. the water ran too low, it'd burn itself out. Like it, the yeah. water, the piss water was like the coolant of the element. Yeah. It's uh -huh. a whole thing. Yeah. It would like burn yeah. out after like 50,000 uses and like people used it. 50,000. <laughs> it's like really hard to find one that people didn't use 50,000 times. Cause it's like the piss is hot. Yeah. You're not, not going to shoot hot piss out of it all the time. <laughs> It's like hot, thick piss, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and it stinks, so people used it. <laughs> They're like kind of like, like land, Toyota Land Cruisers. Like it's really hard to find a low mile one because they're so good. You know what I mean? But like don't be scared by, you know, one that has had like 20,000. Yeah uses because yeah. you still got 30,000 hot pisses in there. No one's been able to make such a hot realistic thick piss since then. Yeah, like apparently like I've never seen one in person obviously, so I've never felt the piss, but apparently it's like exactly 98.6 degrees. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but the ones that are worth like a lot, a lot, <laughs> the piss is 103. And the because the guy has a fever, he's got a little thermometer in his mouth. Yeah. And he's drinking Just burning tea. ankles. <laughs> and he's drinking tea, and his piss is extra hot. <laughs> huh, the 1980s was the golden. <laughs> 
Yeah, the dude. golden shower of remote control cars. <laughs> it's the golden shower age of remote control cars. <laughs> Off-road electric racing was hugely popular, and in fact, the 12th scale world championship would often see up to 400 racers joining in. Whoa. The 80s was also the era when RC cars moved from scale models to high-performance models, something that was heralded by associated RC10 electric buggy, which they still produce today. This was a high-grade car that featured an aircraft-grade aluminum chassis and a transmission with an adjustable ball differential that allowed the car to drive on nearly any kind of track. And to this day, Team Associated's RC10 buggy is one of the most iconic RC cars in history. We were just at that track shooting that sponsorship I mentioned at the beginning of the episode, and there is a bunch of guys running this chassis. Associated's RC10 was flashy enough on its own, but then it turned around and won the very first International Federation of Model Auto Racing, or IFMARS, 10th scale electric off-road world championship in 1985. Are you guys going to the IFMARSies this year? Yeah, dude, I got paddock passes. (laughs) (laughs) This championship took place in Pomona, California, and the event marked the start of an era of electric off-road racing being the most popular segment in RC racing. This car, the RC10 looks so cool. Oh, and it's so just dope. that iconic buggy. Yeah. They're they're amazing. The championship was widely considered by the RC modeling industry to be the most prestigious event on the calendar, as a number of manufacturers view it as the single most effective marketing tool they have in their arsenal. In fact, in the months preceding their win in 1985, Associated refused to allow the RC10, which was then a prototype, to be photographed before the race and would cover it with a towel whenever anyone tried to take a picture. An Australian team member risked his reputation and took a photo during a technical inspection, but was later forced to hand his film over to protect that design. <laughs> just like strong-arming the dude, and he just like smash his camera yeah. like Sonny at the wedding in The Godfather. And you just like throw money yeah. at him. <laughs> Give me your film, you bogan. You know, when they were testing the Charger Daytona at Talladega, they were sandbagging the speed because there's planes above the track mm-hmm. from other manufacturers spying. Team Associated had a towel. <laughs> <laughs> the RC-10 dominated for several years until 1988 when Losey released the JRX-2. This two-wheel drive buggy competed directly with Team Associated and kicked off what many consider to be the greatest racing rivalry in RC history. You've got your Senna versus Prost. You've got your Lauda versus Hunt. This is Losey versus Team Associated. And to this day, you're either Team Associated or Team Losey. And chances are, if you're involved in the world of RC racing, you've got an opinion on who's the better manufacturer. The IFMAR championship in the 80s was wild. To give another example, in 1989, (laughs) Yokomo Technicians. The IFMAR championship in the 80s was wild. I dude, want anything goes. That's like the start of the movie. Dude, yeah, <laughs> like I'm, I'm seeing like 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 like, like panning shot. Yeah, like, it's, it's like, like a pool Paul party. Thomas Anderson style. Danny like a, uh yeah, Danny McBride's in this movie. Yeah, there's just tons of like bikini yeah. girls and like someone gets pushed in the pool yeah. and they're doing cocaine. There's like just cocaine. Yeah. And, and then like, the narrator comes on it was the, the IFMAR championship the, the IFMAR 80s. championship in the 80s. 1989. Was wild. Yeah. I want to make this movie now. This is sick. Yeah! <laughs> 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 to give another example of how, pe- of how seriously this is being taken, in 1989, Yokomo technicians collected soil samples from the track to analyze back in Japan. According to Radio Control Car Action magazine which I loved in junior high. Locals also spotted the technicians wheeling around the circuit in a cart with a camera mounted to it to get a car's eye view of the track. This is the cell, all to sell hobby grid cars here. What did they use the footage for? Well, to duplicate the track exactly on their home soil. And thanks to this bizarre move, regulation now requires that a circuit must be altered if it's used prior to the commencement date and the track must be closed down for two days minimum before the event to prevent people from testing for it. Yeah, that's, that's funny because like, it's not like someone can just like recreate Silverstone. 
Right. Yeah. But you but could like, recreate these tracks if you had yeah. a big backyard. Yeah. That's funny. It's so dude, the track we went to, it was indoors, first of all. Uh-huh. Uh but they had they they used like a uh you know a uh, a skid steer to like pile in a bunch of dirt, make the track, and then it had a sprinkler system above the track that would like mist down on it uh-huh. to keep the track moist. Otherwise, if it dries out, there's no grip on there because it's clay. Yeah, well, it's not. I, I it's imagine not dirt. also because yeah. it's inside, it would just be like dusty hell. Yeah, that too. <laughs> but no golden age lasts forever. As technology improved, RC racing got expansive. In order to keep up with everyone's customizations, a ton of expansive hardware was required to even get a chance at winning. According to many in the scene in the 90s, driver skill barely mattered if the car wasn't the best of the best. So, by the early 90s, with a dip in the economy, most consumers couldn't afford to run or customize the expensive cars. Coupled with the fact that most races took place in specialized racing facilities with high-cost overheads... It looked like the once-thriving sport was doomed. And in 1994, Tamiya once again leveled up and changed the game. They took their famous four-wheel drive off-road buggy, converted it to run on pavement, and put a realistic regular car body on it. Voila, the touring car was born. These cars were cheap, about 150 bucks, easy to drive, and looked like everybody's dream cars. Not only that, but you could drive them anywhere soon touring cars were flying off the shelves and on-road racing was back baby instead of hauling your car to a dedicated race facility the tracks were set up in parking lots touring cars became the dominant class of the 90s other companies to offer touring cars include but are not limited to corali team associated losi schumacher serpent and x-ray along with the ability to drive everywhere the cars got even smaller Typical size before the decade was one eighth or one tenth scale, and that shrunk to one twelfth and eventually one eighteenth or ten to twelve inches in length. I think the <laughs> same eighties. What <laughs> uh, skateboarding kind of went through a similar rebranding in the nineties, where like the eighties were all about vert ramps and the learning curve was so high, and also the availability of like mm-hmm. huge ramps. Mm-hmm. made it less popular and it was dying and then like street skating came out and it was the bar was way lower you could do it in front of your house or you could do it in your driveway i think there's a parallel there i mean skateboarding's cool <laughs> <laughs> once like a hobby gets to a point where everyone's taking it super seriously and competitive that's when that the curve just like rises up yeah um it's like it, anything's like that you know where it's just it, both skill wise and affordability, you know, it can be hard to. No, I mean, hop yeah, skateboarding and RC cars are exactly the same because you know, like everybody wears <laughs> RC shoes <laughs> and RC brands, <laughs> like kind of dominate streetwear right now. Yeah, yeah, and have, that would like, be hilarious. E- even move to like really influencing like high fashion, like. I would think like Virgil Abloh is sort of one of the dudes and like like some of the dudes who are responsible for bringing RC culture to like (laughs) Paris, like fashion. You know, everyone's wearing like uh, a shirt with a rabbit and two rats on it and a cabbage. (laughs) Yeah. Like, like Bella Hadid wearing like a Traxxas shirt. That's like huge, you know, yeah. it's just like defines culture. So people yeah. like line up on Melrose in front of the Schumacher shop for days <laughs> before. So like, I'd say, yeah, skateboarding and RC are like very similar. In that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad like we're finally giving it it's, it's due, you know? Like, yeah. That's, that's so cool. And, and I think like, you know, back in the day, if you were wearing like a low C shirt, Mm-hmm. And like people were like, okay, well, do you even zoom around? <laughs> yeah, tell me, tell me the ratio of like lubricant nitro meth. Like it was kind of like gatekeeper or whatever, but now it's just like part of culture. So now you can wear like a serpent or an X-ray shirt or like a team associated hat, and like it's just like it's part of culture now. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. So in that way, like. 
RC cars and skateboarding are the same because they're both cool. (laughs) Moving into the 2000s, it's what can best be defined as an era of ready-to-run rock crawlers um, celebrated on popular website and forum rccrawler.com, which I actually spent a lot of time on, and short course trucks. Rock crawlers do pretty much exactly what it sounds like. They can crawl over rocks and rough terrain, much like a regular souped-up full-size rock crawler. Can. I love these. These are these are like the the ones that, like, if you shoot them right, yeah, they look like real cars. These things are these things are so hot right now. Yeah, they're so cool. <laughs> they're very popular. Um, short course trucks, on the other hand, are used in short course racing, in which each racer attempts to get the most laps in a set time frame. This is like your Traxxas Slash, um, your Associated made one that was really popular. I can't remember the name of. Losi also. Everyone makes one of these things. Everyone makes a short course truck and a rock crawler these days. In 2000, the industry shifted once more away from using AM and FM technology to 2.4 gigahertz radios and changed how it powered high-grade RC models to allow for longer run times. It wasn't long before the Tamiyas that had inspired the touring car hype were no longer competitive, and the newest generation of touring cars were expensive once again. Around 2001, HPI released the RS4 Pro 2, which was unique because it was a car built for racing and no other purpose. The kit itself came without tires or a body. The industry had jumped from buying a basic car and switching it out for custom pieces to buying a perfectly built ready-to-run car to paying $500 for a kit with no tires, wheels, or a body. Just like with the pan cars in the early 90s, touring cars had gone from being inexpensive, drive-it-anywhere cars to highly specialized piece of technology beyond the budget of many hobbyists. Nowadays, pan cars and touring cars coexist, with neither having a major advantage over the other. The industry seems more focused on seeming beginner-friendly and controllable for entry-level drivers, though if the pass is any indication, this probably won't be true for long. I mean, dude, you can dump so much money into these RC cars. I mean, what we talked about with the the rising, the, like the price curve of the the touring cars. I mean, that happened with rock crawlers back in like 2010 and 2011. Like, people just started taking it so seriously. You could buy like custom gearboxes that allowed you to control the front and rear axles independently. Driver ability didn't really matter all that much. Like, if you if you spent like two thousand dollars on a rock crawler, you could do anything. It was that easy. Like these cars have become so capable. So now that style of crawling where you build like a super dedicated car isn't really what's popular right now. Right now in rock crawling, it's all about scale. It's all about making the car look realistic and not just like from appearances, but like when it's on a rock, like does it move realistically? Does it flex realistically like a real car? And that's a little bit cheaper to to achieve now compared to the competitive crawlers of about 10 years ago. So it just comes in waves, you know, when something becomes popular, then that that price uh, curve goes up because people start taking it competitive uh, seriously in a competitive sense. Uh, Thanks in part to the COVID-19 pandemic, RC racing is experiencing a rebirth. Stuck at home with nothing to do. Hobbies ruled in 2020 and 2021 and RC racing was no exception. News outlets like the Washington Post have covered RC racing events, intrigued by the fandom's reinvigorated interest in the hobby. According to several sources, many current drivers grew up building and playing with the carts and quickly reacclimated to a hobby that allows one to spend a few hundred bucks and make things drive kind of fast. Of course, remote-controlled cars have uses outside of racing. For example, the current most expensive RC car in the world the free fly Taro is designed to be used with camera equipment for low level action shots at a hefty cost of $5,000. We should get one. On the other end of the scale, RC cars are a significant part of the toy market and a constant in pop culture, perhaps reaching a peak with the inclusion of RC car character in the toy story franchise of films. <laughs> toy grade RC cars are often cheaply made, but not and not built to last. They certainly captured kids' imaginations. Everyone probably has some memory of the first time they got to drive by holding a miniature controller in their hands yeah. and making a snake pop up. 
<laughs> and you look like your dad peed his pants in front of all your uncles at the Crawford. <laughs> so what does the future look like for RC racing? With recent advancements in technology, like the introduction of brushless electric motors, lithium-ion batteries, and larger, more powerful engines, RC fans can expect that things will only get bigger and better from here. With auto racing in general seeming to have an increasingly electrified future, who knows? Maybe RC racing's biggest moment in the spotlight is yet to come. And maybe we might use them for war. <laughs> yeah. We already do. <laughs> um, yeah, dude, I love RC cars, man. Uh, there's an event yeah. out in Vegas, uh, the NPRC No Prep RC Drag Racing event, where like hundreds of people show up and they, they build purpose-built drag cars that do a scale quarter mile in like two seconds. I uh, definitely want to make a trip out there. Look, King of the Street, $5,000 call out, you know? Why is there no prep allowed? Well, no prep is the uh, the pavement. That just means the track isn't oh, okay. prep. They do it out at, the, what's the, it's not Speed Ventures, but there's that, uh, there's that track right before you hit Vegas. Is it like Speed Vegas? Speed Vegas. They do it in the Speed Vegas parking lot. I definitely want to make it out there. Looks like a lot of fun. Winner take all. That's right. Are they like... Um, are they like funny cars or they like they look like top fuel cars or what? Uh they all use like the same chassis. Um but the bodies can be basically whatever. Yeah, they're they're dragsters though. They got skinny front tires and big thick old meats in the back. <laughs> I think so we should I build some uh some RC drag cars and race them at work. It'd be fun. Put a little For sure. Put a little tr- Christmas tree. Yeah, it'd be sick. Um, Max Max Forever was trying to get everyone to get a drift car. Yeah, but he kept breaking his and like never got a body. <laughs> and we were like, "No, man, I'm not going to do that." <laughs> yeah, he's like, "Come on, it'll be fun." And he's like, six hundred dollars into it. He made the mistake of like working on it at work and making it look like a huge pain in the ass to deal with, and I yes. think that turned everybody off. I also think he went like too hard for like a beginner. Yeah, he got like oh, some, absolutely. Something like he got like a rear wheel drive like drift car, so he's mm-hmm. <laughs> and it like won't grip any surface at work. So he's like putting tape on the tires and stuff. <laughs> it looks or, so and, janky. Yeah, he's like, nah, man, I'm, I'm good. <laughs> Come on, it's only six hundred dollars. Six hundred dollars, and it's always broken, and it looks like not a car, and I, I don't know how to use it, and I'm obviously sad about it. No, I mean he's he's kind of good at it. Is he? He's pretty good. Yeah, that's that's the thing, though, is like relative to real cars, mm-hmm. RC stuff is so much more affordable. It's yeah, crazy. It's a like little if, car. Yeah. But like if you weren't like if if I wasn't, you know, if you didn't want to have like multiple cars or a project car, like an RC car. Is just so much more viable and oh, there's so much 100%. fun and I, I see, love it. I see the appeal. I know I was kind of like ribbing it a little bit, but I was mostly just mostly just giving Nolan crap. I think <laughs> RC cars are fun and cool. All right, well, we got a letter this week. Zachary writes, Hey, guys, I just saw a video on Facebook of the world record for changing a tire on a spinning car. The old chap makes it look like a breeze with a seemingly specifically modified car to assist his record. Regardless, it made me think that you could fill an episode or two of the podcast with Guinness World Records done with cars. Did any automakers try to cash in on the publicity of a world record? Maybe we'll find out one day. Hopefully today, if Nolan is reading this right now on Past Gas. No, 100%. That's A lot of them are just PR stunts. Yeah. We'll invite you to our next topic selection meeting. Thank you for the suggestion. If you'd like to hit us up, email us at pastgas at donamedia.com. Definitely do that. I love reading your letters, especially if they're nice. That's our show today. Thank you so much for listening. I love RC stuff, and now I'm going to work on my crawler soon, hopefully. Kind of stalled on that. What a surprise. Do it today. I need a battery. I need to go get a LiPo battery. Follow James at James Pumphrey. Follow Joe at Joe G. Weber. Follow me at Nolan J. Sykes if you'd like. Big thank you to our producers this week. Yet again, we got Gavin Kinsell and Thomas Willett and our writer this week, uh, Christina Felsky, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, and you know, follow us on whatever uh, place you listen to this. Uh, leave a review. And if you like this and you have a friend that uh, you think might like it too, 
tell them about it because really podcasts the best way to to let people know about them is word of mouth so we really appreciate it we appreciate all of you guys rising tide raises all ships rising tide raises all ships yeah raise all your friends up to our level (laughs) all right uh see you later Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.